I've got a few things I want to share with you on the soybean side of things. And um, one of the concerns we have in soybeans, the one we've probably talked about the most is frog eye leaf spot. And I want to spend my time on, on soybeans talking about frog eye leaf spot because we do have some new information about that disease that I think is going to be important to you and impact how you manage that disease. And so I see I have a question coming back. Oh, I have a question. Uh, thoughts on why fungicide trial did not show much separation in yield in spite of the uh, effects we saw on disease development. You know, I think a couple of things I glossed over a little bit. We didn't have very severe disease. I think southern rust was severe enough. It should have impacted yield. I don't think it did as much as what I expected in that trial, at least. The second part, too, we had a little bit of extra variability in that clay center area. We did have some wind damage from early July, and it may have impacted our yield in ways that we didn't compensate for, that we didn't capture in our data collection. We captured things like uh, green snap, but we didn't necessarily go back to look at ear impacts. And so there could have been enough variability that it hid some of those effects. And uh, other, other than that, I can't really explain why our fungicide trials didn't show more treatment effects on yield. There, uh, there's a potential too, it could have something to do with the hybrid genetics. And uh, I don't, uh, I, I, I don't know what to anticipate with that either. So thank you for the question. I'll check back here at the end of the soybean one. Going back to frog eye leaf spot though on soybean, many of you are familiar with this disease, but uh, if you haven't seen it in a while, watch for these small tan to gray lesions. These are going to be in the upper leaves and this disease likes those humid conditions, warm to moderate temperatures. And this is one that, um, that we've been concerned about. And historically, uh, people have used QOI fungicides. Those are what we used to call the strobal urines to manage it. And they did a really good job. In fact, they did the best job controlling it for a number of years. But unfortunately, they've confirmed resistance to that class of fungicides in this fungus in 14 states now. But even when this map was was published, it was already out of date because this map only reflects a handful of counties in Iowa where we know there's over 50 counties where they've confirmed this. It also doesn't show South Dakota where we've got a handful of counties that have confirmed it and also now in Nebraska. And so we knew in 2019 there was a chance we could see it and so we scrambled to collect samples from I think 12 fields in 10 different counties and uh, most of them we didn't, we weren't checking them because we had a, a concern about fungicide activity, but uh, wanted to collect some arbitrary samples and, and uh, test them. And we learned that the samples we collected from every single one of these counties were resistant to the QOI fungicides. And that was uh, alarming because that's the only places we sampled and all of them came up resistant. And so 
we worked really hard and we were grateful to receive funding from the Nebraska Soybean Board to expand our survey efforts. And so the map on the left shows you the 47 counties from which we received or collected samples in 2020. And I want to thank many of you for that because you provided many of those samples and helped me fill in those gaps because what we're trying to do is to represent the major soybean growing areas of the state, which is what I'm trying to show on the right hand map there. And so this uh, survey will continue this in 2021 um, and we'll be reaching out for more samples. And especially if you think you've observed uh, a lack of efficacy from fungicides. But remember, this is for the QOIs. That's what we used to call strobal urines. And we'll be looking in this a lot more in depth now. I think our student is about a third of the way through running these samples. And uh, I think uh, we're going to learn more of the same, but on a wider scale. And so we'll uh, eagerly share those results with you when they're finished. In addition to the leaf sample and testing of the fungus, there's an additional survey we are conducting this year. And so I hope all of you will receive this survey either by email or in a hard copy in person. And we ask that you please fill this out. This is a short survey, and this is to help us better understand what do people, how do people feel about fungicides and what do they know about them? How can we help people better understand fungicides and the factors that affect fungicide use decisions? And so these are the things that we're trying to get a better handle on because there's a lot of variability around the state. And Ultimately, we want to use this to help improve our programming about fungicide use in Nebraska. The survey is only going to take about 10 minutes. It is absolutely completely anonymous. We don't want your name on it unless you have a question, want to reach out to somebody. It's for research purposes only, and there's no known emotional risk to taking it. And so we hope you'll consider taking that. You can start or stop it at any time, but we would appreciate having these data. Um, this is part of another student project to help us better understand fungicide use in Nebraska. And like I said before about corn, you know, we, uh, we do have a number of products. Some of them are newer, labeled for use in soybean. And so when you get your new uh, 2021 weed guide, please check out the disease management section and see what some of those products are. Here's a few that we've added in the last couple of years, a couple of those having uh, active ingredients from three different classes. So we do have some tools in our toolbox, even for use when we have the resistance. And now is a good time for me to show you that we did have a fungicide trial I wanted to share with you from the Haskell Ag Lab up near Concord, Nebraska in the northeast part of the state. And so this, uh, this trial had also had six replications and it had an NK29K3X variety planted out there. Our applications were made of fungicides at R3 on the 22nd of July and then collected disease ratings thereafter. And so the primary one I want to show you, there's a lot more data available for you to see online. The primary one though is I want to show you the frog eye. And when you look across here, the non-treated control is over on the left. And again, this is disease severity. So the taller the bar, the more disease you had. The treatment listed along the bottom, remember these were all applied at the same time, 
and there's big differences in as far as how well they work to control disease. And looking more closely, I want to show you which fungicide classes those came from. And so I think this helps us more clearly explain what happened. And so where we didn't apply a product over here on the far left, that was the maximum disease. But when we applied a, applied a product from group 11, that's the QOI fungicides or strobal urines. It, it reduced disease a little bit. Everything else beat it though. And I can confirm that we do have fungicide resistance at that location in frog eye. And so that helps us explain what's happening here because the group 11 products, they're not working for you. And we should avoid using those by themselves. Uh, even products applied alone from other classes like group seven, like Vertisan, or even group three, like the Flutriafol top guard product, they work to reduce disease. But the lowest disease severity that we had was from Lucento and Revitec and also Delaro Complete, products that have just group three and seven or all three there. And so I think those are probably our best options if you think you need a fungicide for frog eye. You don't always, of course. Course, but we do have good options for you and even some non-traditional options like we have here Topsin XTR. Notice that is a group one plus three. Group one is a, a much less common but older chemistry but it was very effective in this case controlling controlling frog eye leaf spot too so we do have a few tools in our toolbox but we've got to be careful with them. And so uh, please keep that in mind. Remember that you can always you can select resistant varieties right now to reduce disease severity, not only to frog eye, but also soybean cyst nematode. I, uh, you'll note that I have a note here about a, a new source of resistance. Well, it's not really new, it's old, but it's now been introduced into commercially available varieties. And there's two of those available from Syngenta brands uh, in the 2.3 maturity group. And so that's PI89772. And so it gives you another option for rotating with uh, Peking and 88788 sources of resistance. So, and remember sudden death syndrome, the best way to manage that is with resistant varieties. So I blew through that very quickly. There's a lot more slides available online. Uh, does anyone have any questions?